This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And uh, today I have the great pleasure of speaking with uh, Demetrius Nasiotis, who is in the Division of Gynecologic Oncology in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the hospital uh, for the University of Pennsylvania. Um, Demetrius, uh, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to present our research. Of course. Well, um, we're we're going to talk about a very important topic, and this is the topic of the lead article in this month's uh, issue of the journal. It is uh, titled Adjuvant Treatment for Patients with uh, FIGO Stage 1 Uterine Serous Carcinoma Confined to the Endometrium. So certainly, obviously, it's a topic that uh, often comes up in, uh, in discussion um, when we're having our tumor boards, our disposition conference as to what to do for patients with uh, uterine serous carcinoma that is uh, confined to the endometrium. I think everybody agrees that obviously um, deeply invasive tumors or tumors um, that have evidence of uh, metastatic disease to the lymph nodes, no question, uh, those patients um, undergo adjuvant treatment. But there's always this question as to what to do with a uterine serous carcinoma that's either confined to a polyp or just in the um, endometrium. So I wanted to just kind of start by asking you as to what, what, what are your thoughts with regards to the relevance of this topic um, and what were the reasons uh, that led you to conducting this uh, particular study? Mm -hmm. uh, so as you said, uterine serous carcinoma is, uh, accounts for approximately 10% of all malignant endometrial tumors, but represents approximately 40% of uterine cancer-related deaths. As you previously mentioned, we all rarely see in our practice a handful of patients with serous tumors who have disease confined to the endometrium. Unfortunately for these patients, there's no good data to guide treatment management options, and we are faced uh, with a dilemma of uh, under-treating and over-treating them. Uh, so data from retrospective studies even suggest that observation could be acceptable citing a very low relapse rate. However, the number of patients included in the studies is small and heterogeneous ranging from 10 to maximum 100 patients. As such, we uh, queried a large hospital-based uh, database to evaluate treatment patterns and the impact of adjuvant treatments on the survival of surgically staged uh, patients with uterine serous carcinoma with no myometrial invasion. And Demetrius, um, what, what are the current recommendations by NCCN guidelines as to, do they go specifically into telling us what to do about patients that have no evidence of uh, deep invasion and, and just papillary serous limited to the endometrium? Uh, well, for based on the most recent National Cancer Database, uh, observation is only acceptable for patients who have no residual disease in the hysterectomy specimen. There's no uh, specific guidelines for endometrium-confined uh, disease, so they're grouped together with stage 1A, and chemotherapy with or without vaginal brachytherapy and external beam uh, radiation with or without vaginal brachytherapy are all acceptable options. Okay. Um, so let's go on into the methodology of, uh, of this study. And um, I was wondering if you can um, talk a little bit about the National Cancer uh, Database for many of our listeners uh, outside of the United States. How does one get access uh, to this database? And, um, and then if you could specifically talk about uh, criteria for 
um, lymph node staging in this study and the, and the timing of the adjuvant treatment? Uh, yes, so the National Cancer Database is a large uh, clinical oncology database established jointly by the American College of Surgeons and the American Cancer Society. It prospectively collects the identified data from more than 1,500 commission on cancer accredited facilities that represent more than 70% of all newly diagnosed cancer cases in the United States. Uh, these data are available through an application process to investigators who are affiliated with uh, commission on cancer accredited cancer programs within the United States. Uh, in terms of our methodology, uh, we used ICD-03 SOLTI codes to identify all patients with uh, microscopically confirmed uterine serous carcinoma who underwent hysterectomy and had pathological stage 1 disease. Uh, given the relative high propensity of lymph node metastasis, we opted to include only patients who had lymphadenectomy with at least 10 lymph nodes removed per pathology report. Uh, furthermore, based on variables from the collaborative staging schema, we further selected patients who had disease confined to the endometrium. And uh, similar to other investigators, we define adjuvant treatment as receipt of chemotherapy and or radiation therapy within six months from hysterectomy. Um, the medium interval from surgery to chemotherapy and radiation therapy was approximately 40 and 70 days, respectively. All right. And, um, and um, with regards to the uh, results uh, of the study, um, can you tell us about the main findings and also how many patients you actually uh, captured in this, uh, in this uh, particular uh, study? Mm -hmm. So we were able to identify 1,700 approximately patients who met the exclusion criteria. And uh, we actually saw a large variation in the treatment patterns. Interestingly, almost half of them, 78%, did not receive any adjuvant treatment. 20% approximately received adjuvant chemotherapy only, 10% radiation only, and 20% uh, combination of chemotherapy and radiation uh, therapy. And uh, in terms of the main findings, uh, and uh, after controlling for confounders, we found that patients who received adjuvant chemotherapy or chemoradiation had better survival compared to those who did not receive any adjuvant treatments. While we did not find a benefit from radiation uh, alone, and interestingly, there was no difference in survival between chemoradiation and chemotherapy only. Interesting. So, so it does suggest that perhaps these patients may potentially benefit from additional treatment. Exactly, and probably chemotherapy with or without radiation would be the best uh, uh, option. So one of the things that I noticed was, and I was interested if you can comment on this, is that not all patients uh, in your study had uh, periodic lymph node dissection um, or omentectomy. And, you know, one thing I often wonder as to why, you know, we do this uh, since patients are going to get chemotherapy anyway. Uh, in other words, in, you know, this is a question that often comes up in uh, in discussion in the operating room, if the periodic nodes appear normal and the omentum appear normal and the patient's getting chemotherapy and brachytherapy, um, you know, why do we uh, perform uh, this uh, routine uh, surgery in patients with papillary serous carcinoma? Um, do, do we have any data that, that removing uh, lymph nodes or omentum in, in these patients impacts the, the outcomes uh, at all? 
Yeah, that's a very interesting question, especially nowadays with the widespread application of sentinel lymph node mapping. Uh, first of all, it appears that the incidence of isolating power-ordering lymph node metastasis in the absence of abnormally enlarged lymph nodes is very low, even for high-risk histologies such as uterine serous tumors. And there are no prospective trials demonstrating a therapeutic role of routine power-ordering lymphadenectomy. I'm aware of uh, one uh, ongoing phase three trial from the Japanese clinical oncology group that was launched based on the results of the CETAL retrospective study that showed some survival benefits mm -hmm. for patients with intermediate or high-risk characteristic who underwent paradigm lymphadenectomy. However, there's no real good evidence to support this practice. And especially for uterine serous tumors, uh, there is a recent study from uh, two large institutions in the U.S. who compared the oncologic outcomes of patients who underwent staging with lymphadenectomy up to the renal veins uh, to those who had a lymph, lymph node assessment based on the central lymph node algorithm. We actually found no difference in mm. overall survival. And now in terms of the omentectomy, uh, it is routinely, it's in general in the small consensus paper, was is recommended to perform omentectomy for uterine serous tumors while biopsies are recommended by, based on the NCCN guidelines. However, as you mentioned, there's no good data to support that practice, especially if we give uh, adjuvant treatment. Uh, there is conflicting evidence on the rate of microscopic uh, metastasis based on the most recent meta-analysis, approximately 8%. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually presented the virtual SGO and analysis of the same database and demonstrated that for patients with clinical stage one high-grade uh, tumors, uh, including serous, there's no survival benefit on performing a full omentectomy. Mm, interesting. And, and that leads me then to the, the next question. Um, you reported that 7% of the patients in your study had washings. Um, and this is something that, you know, at least in our, in our practice here at Anderson uh, is, is not uh, routinely performed anymore. Um, is, is this really necessary to perform washings in, uh, in this setting? Um, I'd just like to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, exactly. So peritoneal cytology does not impact staging anymore based on the FIGO and JCC uh, staging schemas. Uh, however, uh, some uh, surgeons do continue to collect uh, washings. In our practice here, the majority of our surgeons do not collect uh, washings. And the value of peritoneal cytology is actually controversial, especially if adjuvant treatment uh, is given, as we discussed prior. However, there are two large uh, database analyses from this year in the NCDD that did find an association between positive washings and worse survival for uh, patients with uh, high-grade histology, including uh, uterus serous. However, the value if adjuvant chemotherapy is administered anyway is not clear. Yeah. And, and you know, certainly one of the things that when looking at oncologic outcomes, um, I always wonder when comparing all of these groups of uh, different types of treatments, what's the follow-up um, equivalent in all groups? Uh, so in the present study, actually, patients who had uh, observation alone had a longer follow-up of approximately 65 months compared to those who had chemotherapy only. That was 50 months, radiation only 58 months, or chemoradiation to 52 months. And uh, this is uh, one of the limitations of the study. Mm -hmm. So now, 
getting on to the treatment, and, and you suggested that from this study, it seems that we should not observe these patients, that we should actually treat these patients uh, with adjuvant uh, therapy. In your study, you mentioned the combination of multiple approaches, and of course, obviously, the question that comes up is, when treating a patient with a uterine papillary serous carcinoma limited to the endometrium, what should be the treatment? Should it be radiotherapy only? Should it be chemotherapy only? Should it be both? Yeah, so based on uh, the results of the study, of our study, administration of adjuvant chemotherapy seems to be associated with a better survival. However, we did not find a uh, survival difference between the chemotherapy and the chemoradiation uh, group, suggesting that addition of radiation therapy may not impact survival. However, the number of patients and events in these two groups were small, so uh, potentially uh, we did not have the um, power to detect the survival difference. Um, and unfortunately, we do not have data on the number of cycles of chemotherapy administered, so that's another limitation. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you uh, in, in your practice moving forward, do you recommend both? Uh, we do recommend chemotherapy, definitely, and then uh, radiation therapy is up to discussion, uh, but likely vaginal brachytherapy uh, based on the individualized treat patient, uh, patient uh, uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things also um, I wanted to ask you about this study was the, the sites of recurrence for the patients that had no treatment versus the ones that had treatment and I was wondering also, for the ones that had treatment, were the sites of recurrent different for the ones that received chemotherapy or radiation or the combination? Yeah, unfortunately, the National Cancer Database does not collect uh, details on tumor relapse or the location of the relapse. So we could not identify differences in patterns of recurrence or evaluate progressively survival. And this is a very valid question given the theory that uh, uterine serous may have microscopic spread, uh, even when uh, confined to endometrium uh, after surgical staging, and that's one of the rationale for administering uh, adjuvant treatment. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier that um, the guidelines suggested that patients with uterine serous carcinoma with no uh, residual disease in the hysterectomy specimen that at least it was suggested that these patients might not benefit from um, additional uh, treatment. Um, do we have any more information to potentially uh, support that that uh, recommendation or, or argue against that recommendation? Yeah, unfortunately, this is uh, the evidence is uh, based on very small studies uh, with very limited number of patients. Uh, the largest study I'm aware is uh, one that included 12 patients with no residual disease in the hysterectomy specimen, and none of them experienced the relapse. And however, nine of these patients had received uh, some sort of aspirin treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no good data to support that uh, observation for these patients is is uh, is, uh, is has good oncologic outcomes. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to ask you uh, a little bit about. Um, I think that from this database, you can gather information about the uh, insurance uh, status uh, of these patients, private versus government-issued uh, insurance. Um, and 
did, did you uh, gather that information and did you see any impact on the outcomes uh, for these patients based on that? Yeah, actually, we have then CDP collects, uh, as you mentioned, uh, insurance information and uh, categorized in private and government issues like Medicare, Medicaid, and other. And we were able, in our study, found that patients that had government issued insurance uh, had worse overall survival. Mm. However, this isn't clear if, uh, if this government issued insurance is a surrogate market for a poor functional status or higher comor specific comorbidities or uh, lower follow-up compliance rates. Uh, and But our finds are consistent with a much larger prior analysis of the same database that include almost 40,000 patients with uh, early stage one to three uh, uterine cancer. And they also demonstrate a high risk of death among patients with insurance other than private. And this may uh, reflect uh, the presence of disparities in uh, cancer care. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, kind of along similar lines, um, the issue of getting treated in an academic center versus a non-academic center. Uh, for these patients, did you see any differences in outcomes? Mm -hmm. uh, indeed. So in the present study, we did find that patients uh, who received uh, adjuvant treatment were more likely to be managed in academic facilities. In addition, management in an academic facility was associated with better survival overall survival. Uh, and it's unclear if this survival benefit was related to a more comprehensive approach to a tumor relapse uh, or for other reasons. Uh, but these findings, again, are consistent with a larger analysis of the NCDB that included early stage uterine serous uh, tumors and reported lower odds of chemotherapy administration among patients who were managed in non-academic facilities. Now, getting back to the decisions and the discussions I need to have with, uh, with the patients, when using chemotherapy, um, what should be the ideal regimen uh, for, these, uh, for these patients? Uh, yeah, so it is, unfortunately, the National Cancer Database does not collect details on the chemotherapy protocols used and uh, the exact agents and number of cycles. However, based on other studies, uh, carboplatin paclitaxel is the most commonly used regimen. And the numbers of cycles will depend if uh, vaginal brachytherapy is administered or not. So it varies between four to six, and there's no uh, good evidence to support how many cycles uh, administered are, are required. Mm -hmm. So now, Demetrius, uh, obviously, it's a, it's a study that uh, I think uh, certainly is very deserving of... Uh, of featuring as a as a lead article and and of course uh, it's an excellent uh, uh, work on by you and your team, um, but uh, like in any study there will be uh, critics and and criticisms. What would you say are some of the main limitations of your study? Yeah, apart from the difference in the follow up in the different groups, uh, also we have we do not have details on tumor relapse, which is the main limitation. And uh, as I mentioned, we don't have information on what specific chemotherapy regimens were administered and uh, how uh, unmeasured factors may have influenced the clinician's decision to administer adjuvant treatments, such as patients' functional status uh, and uh, all specific comorbidities. And uh, for analysis purposes, we did combine all types of radiation uh, into one group. 
that included vaginal brachytherapy and external beam radiations therapy. So given these limitations of our study, it should be regarded as hypothesis generating and hopefully will trigger uh, in multi-institutional collaboration uh, to further elucidate the treatment of these patients. Mm -hmm. So then now on to a question uh, moving forward. I mean, obviously, uh, this was a study over a thousand patients. Uh, and some might say, well, perhaps this is an indication that this is not such a rare tumor. After all, then uh, we can potentially do a prospective studies. Is there a role for uh, possibility or feasibility of a prospective randomized trial um, uh, for these specific patients? Yeah, so a uh, prospective randomized trial will definitely provide the best evidence. Uh, however, given the overall low incidence of endometrium-confined uterine serous carcinoma, it may not be feasible to accrue uh, a large number of patients, even with international collaboration. That has already been, uh, unfortunately, demonstrated in other rare tumors like uh, uterine sarcomas. Uh, nevertheless, uh, international collaborations can permit meaningful retrospective studies with a large number of cases that with details on quality of surgical staging, relapse rates, childhood relapse, and aid uh, elucidate the management of these patients. So now, uh, Demetrius, as, uh, as always, obviously, it's a, it's a great pleasure speaking with you. Always learn uh, a lot uh, in speaking with you. Um, last question. Uh, as I speak to my patient, next week, uh, who has a, a papillary serous carcinoma limited to the endometrium. Uh, based on what we have learned from your study, what should I tell her about additional treatment? Yeah, it seems that uh, based on our, the best evidence we have, that adjuvant treatment uh, may be associated with better overall survival. Definitely the planning should be individualized to each patient. Uh, however, it seems that administration of chemotherapy uh, should could be considered and discussed with the patient. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, congratulations on an excellent study. Um, and congratulations on all of your work. You, you are incredibly uh, prolific uh, for um, uh, being so early in your academic career. So congratulations. Thank you.